This is the World Industrial News for Thursday, May 5th, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part three of their podcast, Sustainability and COP26. So, yeah, I just I'd like to follow up on that and dig in a little bit more on why specifically it's important that the business community have a representation there. I know you mentioned in the past this innovation zone. So since you were there, it would be great to just get a sense from you, you know, what the atmosphere was like specifically among the people representing the business community, because you kind of get the sense that in the last few years, companies are starting and the private sector generally is starting to take sustainability goals on in a more sort of ambitious and meaningful way than they had before. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that that was a general comment for many COP veterans. So again, the the conference normally takes place on an, on an annual basis. Um, COP26 was perhaps uh, supposed to be an inflection point COP because we hadn't met the the year before due to COVID. And it was also an opportunity to check in at the where, where governments were on their various commitments. But but what was really noticeable this time was just how much private sector presence there was and how much investor presence there was. And again, that's that's really important and really significant because we need all parties to be present to make progress. And I, I think that what was most encouraging in the sustainable innovation zone where I was, was seeing the role of technology highlighted. Because again, climate issues are global, but they also require solutions at scale. And that is something that technology can provide. Seeing that um, that that presence there and seeing also the presence of investors there uh, to support, again, the deployment of technology was was really promising. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Southern Company continues to pursue renewable energy projects and decarbonization goals, but executives acknowledge some of its major fossil fuel facilities will have to stay open longer than expected amid the recent crunch in the energy markets. But that isn't slowing Southern's adoption of hydropower or its vow to eliminate carbon emissions in the coming decades, executives said. Executives acknowledge the company was not switching away from coal as quickly as some investors and customers had hoped, but insists the company's natural gas business fits in well with the decarbonization and that the idea somehow that gas should go away in America is really foolish. Industrial Info was tracking more than $42.5 billion worth of active projects from Southern Company. The U.S. Department of Energy this week announced $3.1 billion in funding to support the domestic manufacturing of batteries and components, primarily to bolster production of electric cars. Grants will be made available to support the creation of new retrofitted and expanded commercial facilities, as well as manufacturing demonstrations and battery recycling, the DOE said in a May 2nd press release. The department also announced $60 million in funding to support Second Life applications for batteries once used to power electric vehicles, as well as new processes for recycling materials back into the battery supply chain. 
One Oak Incorporated is poised to take advantage of its geographic footprint in the U.S. by having gathering, processing, and fractionation assets in the energy hotspots across the country, including the Williston Basin of North Dakota, the Permian Basin and Gulf Coast region of Texas, and the Rocky Mountains region. In the recently passed first quarter of 2022, the company showed increasing year-over-year results in its natural gas liquids and natural gas pipeline segments. One Oak is capitalizing on its results by constructing both an additional gas processing train in North Dakota and another NGL fractionator in Mont Bellevue, Texas, but may be slowing large growth projects in future years. And the war raging in Eastern Europe means it's time to consider dramatic steps to sever an economic lifeline of Russia's, namely oil, the president of the European Union said. Europe gets about a quarter of its imported crude oil from Russia, which winds up putting hundreds of millions of dollars into the Kremlin's war chest each day. Von der Leyen said that diversification would be a gradual one that takes place over the course of six months. Refined petroleum products from Russia would be phased out by the end of the year. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck reporting for Industrial Info News.